So, again, Libya, thanks for calling. It's been a long time, and I'm really glad to see you again. Uh, the question that you're asking is actually a, a quite a typical question. The question that you're asking is, is that even though I know that Anapanasati practice is beneficial for me when I practice it, still I'm reluctant to practice. Precisely, yeah. Okay. Well, that's partly because it's something new. It's something that we haven't been doing and that almost in all cases, people um, take on Anapanasati practice, or let us just say meditation in general. Uh, the way that we take up every other new thing, and that is, is that we do it because we think that we're going to get some benefit out of it. And so we tell ourselves you ought to do it in order to get that benefit. But if we tell ourselves that we ought to do it and then we don't do it, what that means is, is that now we're storing Anapanasati into the same memory systems that we stored all the other ought tos and shoulds. And it becomes just another should, just another ought to, to rebel from. This is part of, this is part of, go ahead. No, I wasn't going to say anything. Okay. This is part of the reason why it's really a good idea uh, for students to be around others who are practicing. When you live your life around people who don't practice uh, anything at all, uh, then it's easy to just go along, to get along, to do like everyone else that this is part of the reason, but not all of the reason, why the Buddha invented the Sangha in the first place. And that uh, how powerful it is that it's, it really does have a lot to do with our collection of friends. Who we choose as our friends influences us much more than we would think. Yeah. And so it depends upon what your friends and other people are doing. And if you're around a bunch of people who talk about Anapanasati and are practicing it often, then it will be easier for the individual to start doing it. Yeah, I've got, um, as you know, I've got my dad and that really helps. We talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. It really helps. And I've got um, another friend as well that has actually started calling you. Uh, ben, yeah. I don't know if you. Yeah. Um, yes, got some friends. Yeah, so I'm going to start talking to him more. Um, but I, that's another thing, actually. I have noticed the last few weeks, I've started to uh, drift more from some friends. I think I'm just, there's just not so much to connect over anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm spending. So obviously with the lockdown and everything, um, most of my kind of social life is on my phone. <laughs> uh, so I have to Skype people and everything. And mm. I'm not great over Skype, to be honest. <laughs> I'm much better face to face. Um, and so I think that's also the resistance to phoning people. But I'm finding I'm much more kind of I leave my phone alone and I just talk to dad and 
a couple of other friends and that's um obviously my mom and family and stuff and that's pretty much it and that I'm much mm. more I'm feeling more satisfied with that rather than trying to have lots of friends I just want kind of a few that really connect I with that me. Are very connected and very uh, yeah. uh beneficial and wholesome for yeah, your exactly and also that you become beneficial and wholesome for their lives also yeah okay. so uh this is then um a way of uh organizing what you were mentioning actually is a very important part is that the friends that we collect around ourselves actually change and grow over time as the individual changes and grows over time so if someone gets very interested in psychology and his old friends are not interested at all then he will leave his old friends and find new friends that are associated with psychology uh, the place where that seems to be uh, most obvious is in uh, AA within alcoholism that when an, when someone who is an alcoholic really wants to get out of the alcohol the best thing and the most important thing for him to do is stop associating with the drunks that he yeah. used to associate with because they're still in the alcohol and he used to do some of his drinking because he was with them when they were drinking yeah okay so um this is something that happens quite naturally that we gravitate away from old friends towards new ones as we're beginning to change in our um mental personality in other words your personality is changing yeah that's something a lot of people don't understand they think that personality is personality and once it's, it's there it's there but no <laughs> definitely a moving target this is actually uh, a major teachings of of the buddha that you can change and that is those teachings of some some religions are absolutely adamant about you can't do it mm. <laughs> okay. unless you take jesus as your savior thou shalt not be saved in other words you can't do it on your own and everything about the teachings of the buddha and psychology and in fact even working out is a positive attitude yes you can do it you can do this on your own you can figure out how to do it and then get it done and so when you're associating around with people who don't think that they're up to their own the task of straightening out their own mind then it's easy just to go along with them also yeah so this is one point that we can make that's going to help you beneficially if you recognize that if you associate with friends who are talking about dhamma then you're naturally going to be talking more about dhamma than if you were with friends who don't have any association with the dhamma and also in that same regard is uh around friends those friends you can actually take what we would call inspiration from to practice yeah that that's exactly why you call me is to get that inspiration to practice and that's part of the job 
That's in fact, that's the job that cannot be done by a book. A book has very, very uh, difficulty inspiring a student. The likelihood yeah. is that uh, that the, the the student is going to set the book on fire and very unlikely the book is going to set the student on fire. <laughs> yeah, I've been noticing that because I've got, I don't have loads of books, but I, I do have quite a few and I've always been a quite a booky person. Um, and I think it can help you to a certain point and it's good as a reference sometimes to remind you. But I think without... Um, having a teacher kind of in real time where it happens more uh, naturally and organically kind of in, unfolds from where you are and it's a bit okay. more creative almost um it's well, not just like okay. chapter one chapter two kind of thing mm -hmm. i think it's let's, a lot more beneficial yeah let's look at that when we when you're talking about it's a natural progression basically what we're getting at is is that the old way of doing things was a habit and that the uh, if we continue to do that habit, it gets more entrenched. And so the likelihood of us doing that habit uh, over and over again, let us say that you do something 10,000 times. The likelihood then that the 10,000 and one time is much more logical than to do something brand new. And so there is a natural a bit of resistance, but that natural resistance then becomes um, favorable in the sense that the more you practice, the easier it gets. The more you practice, that means that now you're building up new habits and the old habits start to slide away. Yeah. So this is the way that we begin to look at it all. If I keep doing this, it will get easier. And so this is another aspect that we can look at is, is that it does take a time and there is going to be some resistance to it because after all, we already have established that, that this takes some effort. Yeah. This, this is not uh, a laid back watching kind of thing. And there are some meditation systems that talk about just observing to just watch. Okay. This is that if, if you're standing in the road and you see a big truck coming, just watch it and let it run over you, is the way that most meditation is taught. But this is the one that has some skin in the game. And that is, is that when we see something unwholesome, we have to take the effort to remove it. But that then is the development of the new skill or the building of the new habit is to be able to change the mind out of unwholesome into a wholesome thought. And once we get into the habit of doing that, it still is something that we have to plan on doing because the old habits are so strong. Yeah, they're really strong. Yeah. The old habits of giving ourselves jo jobs to do. The old habit of thinking that work needs to be done. The old habit of when something breaks, we feel like we got to fix it. Okay. Basically, what that means is, is that we're talking about it from the perspective of. Um, excuse me, we've got activities out here. Uh, 
Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, the, the point that we're on is about having skin in the game. An example of that is if someone is playing a video game, uh, whatever it is, putting numbers in boxes like Sudoku or moving cards around or uh, making icons move on a, uh, an environment, whatever the game is, the person who is playing the game is involved with the game, paying attention to the game and moving things around in the game. There's other way to play the game, and that is just to watch somebody else play the game. If we watch just somebody else playing the game, if we're just observing or just watching, it's very easy for the mind just to wander away. And so this is the part of the reason why we actually want to talk about that Anapanasati is an active sport. One of the things that's active about it is breathing. Okay, having to take those deep breaths a bit uh, in the beginning, they, it seems like a bit of effort. And also to uh, uh, wake up and, and um, investigate what we're thinking and then taking the effort to change that from unwholesome to wholesome. That's, the, that's one's right effort. Now, in that regard, this can be done Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, driving the car, on the subway, walking down the street, sitting at your computer, any time that you remember, oh, I could take a break right now. Oh, I don't have to be working so hard right now. Oh, I can take a break. And I can get myself into a state of joy. Another way of talking about it is, is that there's work to do, like an answering of an email or something that needs to be done, and we don't want to do it. Yeah. We don't want to look at that email. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to answer it. In the practice of Anapanasati, the right thing to say is, okay, if I don't want to do it, then let's not do it. Let's not follow that instinctual behavior of you've got to do it, go do it, whether you like doing it or not. The yeah. job of that email is far more important than how you feel about it. And we're turning that right upside down by saying how I feel right now is more important right now than that email right now. And so I can, in fact, say, wait a minute, I don't want to do that email right now. Let me take a breath and relax and cool off and not think about that email and think about being joyful and happy for a moment. Yeah. That we can do any time. That only takes about maybe a minute. A one-minute meditation often a day is a much better meditation than say, oh, I've got to go sit for 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And so this is a new frame of reference about the practice is, is that as soon as you remember it, instead of saying, oh, I should meditate, which is that critical thinking again, we could immediately start to nurture, immediately start to nurture. Oh, wow, yes, that's right. I can take a deep breath. I can, in fact, just enjoy this moment. Right, yeah. 
And so uh, this means that we're actually, uh, in a way, incorporating Anapanasati into life rather than trying to separate it out and say over there on the cushion and on the floor is Anapanasati. And here I am, my poor Elizabeth, me is too miserable to even go over there. Well, you don't have to go over there. There's no place to go. Just sit and enjoy yourself. Take a deep breath and be happy for the moment. And that's what we need to practice over and over again until we get that skill going. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a number of little skills, the skill to remember that you can be happy right now. Yeah. But instead, we have the skill to remember that you should meditate. Right, yeah, no, I see the distinction, yeah. And it's subtle. So if you're not kind of quick, you don't even notice. Mm-hmm. That's why we want like, to practice. Yeah. <laughs> so we can yeah. pick that up, <laughs> catch that. <laughs> it is a small change. It is subtle. Yeah. But that's what the mind does. It's very subtle, the distinction between critical thinking, you want to meditate, and nurturing thinking. Wow, this is nice. This is meditation. Yeah, I see. Yeah. But in that regard, we have to remember not to meditate, but remember to not be critical, to be nurturing. But what you're doing is, in fact, exactly what everybody does. The first thing we do with meditation is we put it on the to-do list. We put it on uh, jobs to do, work that has to be done. And it also has the promise. If you would meditate, you'll get some value out of it. Someday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so instead of seeing it as an activity that you have to go do because you're stopping what you are doing, the answer is, is that, well, why not stop what you're doing? Because it's not enjoyable anyway. Let's just take a moment of joy. Let's just get the mind in an enjoyable state. We don't even have to call it meditation or anapanasati or anything like that. In fact, we could call it a word that actually means something to us. And that is to remember to just relax. Just relax. Just to take it easy. Bhikkhu Buddhadasa talks about that in the sense of he calls it a little namana. A lot of people have the idea that in Buddhism that nibbana or nirvana is something way, way off, very, very distant, an ultimate kind of goal. But the original word nibbana only meant uh, to cool off. Well, now, when you, yeah, when you take a pie out of the oven, let's say a, an apple pie, a cobbler, or even a pizza pie, and you pull it out of the oven, it's too hot to eat. If you bite right into that pizza pie, you're going to burn your mouth. But it doesn't take long for it to get down to a temperature where we can uh, tolerate it. In fact, uh, some of the warmth we like, but we don't like it really, really hot. Okay, so we actually let the the pizza nibbana 
Okay, the other way that that word was used was in the word uh, uh, like domestication of animals. Right. But when uh, Lucky and Pumpuri are out in the yard barking, they're wild. Out there, yak, 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 who are you? You don't belong in my territory and all of that kind of stuff. But right now, they're in Nibbana. They're just laying here on the floor, just enjoying their life. Yeah. So if the dog can Nibbana, you can too. Just stop yakking about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And say, everything's okay, everything's fine. Now, some people will call that acceptance, and it is. Because when you tell yourself everything is okay, everything is fine, that's the same thing as gladdening the mind. But that kind of acceptance is an active acceptance. We've got skin in that game because just a moment before, we were not in the state of acceptance. We were in the state of being uh, um, a worker. Okay. So when we talk about acceptance, that's an active acceptance in the sense that we've got to throw out the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Be joyful in this present moment. And now we can accept things because we're really joyful. Mm-hmm. So this is an active kind of acceptance because we actually have to throw the unwholesome thoughts out and have wholesome, nurturing, accepting thoughts to come in. And you can do that. All you have to do is just remember. Yeah. And there's many, many different little things that we can do to help us remember. One of the things is about the breathing, that breathing is something so clear and so obvious and we do it so often that it's actually a good idea to use the breathing as an anchor to remember to clean out the mind. That in fact, breathing is nothing but an in and an out. The breath arises in the in-breath and passes away and dies in the out-breath. Everything is in a state of flux. Everything is constantly changing. And when we get to the point of, oh, this that email has got so Are you frozen? Every little word of that email is just another little word, and it goes up and down and up and down and up and down that the email. Oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So. Um, rather than thinking about meditation as a great, big, long-term deal, think of it as only just a short time of just bringing the mind back into a joyful state. Because that should be a fairly easy thing to do. It actually doesn't take that much effort, but it does take effort. 
but it's not a lot of effort. And once you keep doing it over and over again, it gets easier and easier. Just say, I don't have to think about that. I don't have to think about that email. I don't have to think about that work to do. I don't have to think about those people. I could just sit here and relax. Yeah. And so thinking about that often, that will be something that you can relax. Just take joy and, oh, I don't have to do that right now. And a minute later, you think about that email again, and now you may want to do it. And you say, okay, I'll do it now. But if the thought comes up again, oh, I don't want to do that email, when you say, okay, well, I can relax another minute. I don't have to do it right now. Yeah. That life is not a race. Your whole life is not a competition. It's not a racetrack. We don't have to be up and running all the time. That you could relax your way through the day and get a whole lot done. Yeah, I think often you actually get more done if you're relaxed anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got a lot Some more done people. and you're enjoying it. So uh-huh. it's good and all around. You enjoy doing what you're doing. Exactly. And how we do that is by getting ourselves into a state of enjoyment. If you hate a job and keep doing it, you'll just get good at the job, but you'll also get very good at hating it. If you get into the state of really enjoying something and continue to practice being in a state of enjoyment, now you can go do a job that's not so enjoyable, but you can enjoy it anyway. And now you can become very good at being both joyful and being good at the job. Yeah. But it takes these very short time periods. So so take that thought of, oh, I should go meditate, but I don't want to, into, oh, yeah, I can do that right now. All I have to do is just take a deep breath and relax and start practicing that many times during the day, over and over again, many times a day. And pretty soon, it begins to build up a habit. But we've been in the habit of having bad feelings and hindrances almost solidly our whole lives now. As we grew up, we got more and more and unwholesome, more and more into having work to do, more and more into resenting the work we had to do. Yeah. A little difficult to, to enjoy it. So now we have to start over with our enjoyment. It's madness. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I have been like, looking back a bit lately and kind of looking at, especially my edu- my academic education and what I'm doing now. And it's just kind of funny because I feel like I'm undoing everything that I was building up for now. <laughs> and I'm just, it just feels like, I mean, not a waste of time, but it was just, it was empty compared to this kind of stuff. You know, if I could have learned this all those years ago, it just would have been so different. Right, I know, I know. It's unbelievable. And I love learning. And I love learning how things work and learning about how just anything, really. I'm interested in everything. But the way the academic system wanted me to learn, I hated it. It just didn't work for me. 
and it worked very well for anybody for but. many people no it's really harsh actually and but i've got a very strong kind of as i'm sure you picked up <laughs> a critical kind of work drive mm -hmm. and so i excelled but to the cost of my health really and that's part of the reason why i'm in this state now i just burnt out completely burnt out right and now because it was like the accelerator and the brake at the same time like you were saying about the joy but if I was more joyful, it would just be kind of accelerator. <laughs> but because I was not enjoying it, there was a brake on. And then if you think of a car that's got both accelerator and brake on really hard, it's going to wear out very quickly, isn't it? Right, and exactly. that's what it's like. I think that's what's happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so here, the active work that we have to do is intentionally take the foot off the gas. And the brake. Well, actually, yes, that will follow. But normally what we're doing is we're putting on the brake because we're of the ignorance of the fact that we've got to put on the gas. Go, 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 get it done, do the job, do what you're told to do. And then the brake is, I don't want to do it. Right, yeah, no, I see. Yeah. Okay, and so if we stop telling ourselves to go, 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 then we don't have that child inside putting on the brakes saying that I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. And yeah. that go, 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 go is actually uh, Freud and uh, Eric Byrne had it nailed. Uh, Freud called it the parent ego state because we learned all of that go, 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 go when we were growing up. And so now that go, 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 go is still there. But we don't need so much of it. Allow your life to become easy. So that you don't have to put uh, the brakes on because you've got too much go, 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 go. You can just sort of let the foot off the gas. Right, yeah, yeah, I see. That's the right effort to change those critical thoughts, go, 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 into the nurturing thoughts. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Things are yeah. nice now. This is a nice moment. What a nice breath this is. So take the brakes off because we don't need to. We need to actually stop putting the gas on. This critical thinking, you've gotten yourself into uh, a critical mindset of trying to fix problems, and so you've become nothing but a problem-solving machine. Yeah. A lot of people, that's what we become. We become a problem-solving machine, and then when we don't have any problems to solve, that becomes a big problem because my identity is I'm a problem-solving machine. Yeah. And yeah. So we're looking for problems. And when we find a problem, now we've got a problem to solve. <laughs> yeah, because so many people are like it, like we were saying earlier, you're surrounded by those people. And so then you're just constantly getting this feedback that that's how you're meant to be and that's a good way to be. And so you do it more and then the habit gets stronger. And yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> as it goes on. But when you begin to talk to me and to your dad and to Ben and others like that, you guys can talk yourselves into, hey, it's okay to be joyful. 
rather than yeah. digital. And so now I can see what the resistance that you were talking about is because you put meditation as just more of the go, 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 go. Yeah, I think I had. Yeah. And it is, it was so subtle. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> we made it critical. Oh, you got to go meditate. Oh, you got to go meditate. So now all we have to do is make that same, that slight little change into you should meditate into this is meditation. This is nice. Yeah. To start doing it immediately. As soon as we think about it, we say, okay, unwholesome out. Joy in. Work to do out. Everything is okay comes in. And we begin yeah. to get that. So um, basically, there's two skills to develop. One is to remember to do this. And then the other skill is to uh, uh, intentionally preserve it so that you can get yourself into this state. Let us say uh, one, once an hour and you remember to do it for one minute. Later on, you still uh, remember to do it once an hour, but now you can do it for two minutes. And then you can remember to do it every 45 minutes and it's yeah. just for three minutes. Yeah. And it begins to build up like that. And we want it to build up. A lot of people have the idea that meditation is something you go and do for a long time, say an hour, and then you're finished with it for the day. And so you could go back and be in a hurry all the time. But here we're trying to remember, as soon as you remember, every time you can remember, to remember to just relax. Take a deep breath and just relax. Let everything be wholesome. Yeah, I do. I have times when I am able, I do do that. I, de I definitely have had quite a few times where I have been able to do that and be a lot less critical. And then it kind of, yeah, slips back into that critical just because it's so strong and it is a subtle difference. And I don't yeah. quite notice. And then it builds up again. And um, yeah, there was another thing. Another thing that I've noticed is that I have been having longer periods of times when I am not as critical and I'm a lot more nurturing and all of that. But then I find that when I do then go back into that critical state, the last kind of month it started to to be stronger almost a bit like it's almost it almost feels like that kind of critical part feels threatened by this by me being more nurturing that is what it feels like it feels like a wild animal that's being cornered and so it's kind of throwing all the guns out and being kind of um 10 times stronger than normal <laughs> because it's almost like a bit scared of being Mm -hmm. extinguished almost isn't um, it interesting that the word crisis is actually the same root word as the word critical like a really? critical error is a crisis yeah and then we develop critical thinking as if 
the critical thinking means everything is a crisis. <laughs> and people do live like that. We go from one crisis to another crisis to another crisis. What now? <laughs> it seems like there's a never end to all of the misery and suffering that we have. Well, yes, when we have critical thinking, everything's a crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when we have nurturing thoughts, then everything's okay. And this really is a major attitude shift. Yeah. From the because everything's a crisis means I'm a victim to that crisis. And when everything is okay and everything is fine, now we feel like that we're kind of on top of the situation. That we've got a handle on it. It's not a crisis. This is easy. Yeah. This is this is fine. So. Yeah. Crisis or critical thinking is actually a victim state and nurturing thinking is actually a, a winner's position. Yeah. That we become the caregiver. Instead of the crisis manager. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And so no need for a crisis anymore. As soon as you remember, oh, I don't have to crisis right now. <laughs> I can nurture instead. Yeah, okay. And so let this little talk that we've had today inspire you to remember that, oh, I can, I can uh, uncriticize right now. I, I don't have to be in a state of crisis. I can be in a state of nurturing. Yeah. That, that email is not a crisis. It's not a crisis now, and it won't be in a crisis in 30 minutes. It won't be a crisis if I don't answer it all day today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, don't wait until a crisis before you call me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Olivia. Well, we'll see you soon. You call back. You've got it now. You've got what you need. Yeah. All okay. right. Thank you for this. Yeah. See you soon. See you soon. Call back soon. I will. Bye. Bye bye.